Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. They're alarmed by God's holiness. It comes through in the text if you pay attention. Or they recognize the wrath of God. You know, Isaiah, when, you know, when, he, when he had that vision in Isaiah chapter 6, and he sees the Lord high and holy, his reaction is, Woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people with unclean lips. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Have you been preparing for at least a day or so, or two, to listen to the sermon? With determined attentiveness, it brings us back to Spurgeon. Which do you think needs more preparation, the sower or the ground? Spurgeon notes, it seems to me that there is more preparation needed by the ground than by the sower, more by the hearer than the preacher. So what's the point of all this? And what's the application? Well, number one, no later than Saturday, I would say, pray for the two of us, me and you. Pray that God speaks through me and be ready to hear what God has to say to you through me. Number two, to this end, do all you can to ready the mind's of your entire family, if applicable, if you have children or whatever, they may be ready to come to listen today and to worship with you. Number three, make certain that you arrive early enough to get everything taken care of before the service begins, that you arrive ready to listen. All prayed up, you've had time to park your car, to put your small children in the nursery or whatever it is, depending on which service you're in, so that you can be seated and prayerful before the service starts, so that you can sing every song and pray as you ready yourself to listen to the service, to listen to the sermon. This requires preparation, and it requires sacrifice. I had small children once. Now they're kind of big, you know. But I know what it's like to herd kittens. You know, and so you you need to be ready. Uh, maybe you lay out the clothes the night before. You have everything you need laid out, so you have a, it's like it's like a go bag. You grab and go. 
do it the night before so you can be ready to come in here and sit down. Maybe talking at breakfast with the family about we're going to church. and I wonder what he'll say today in a good way, of course. Number four, before you enter the building, put away all distractions. Silence your phones, turn off your notifications, forget about reviewing texts and emails once you get through these doors here. Once you enter into God's house. You know, we are the church. This is a meeting house. We are the church. But because you're here, and because God is here, this is holy ground. We don't ask you to take off your shoes. We do ask you to put away all your distractions. If your tablet or laptop or phone is a distraction, you know, if, you, know you, you open up your phone or your tablet and you've got your Bible verses up and everything else and you see notifications, oh, there's an email. You know what? Bring one of these things here. This is an analog Bible. The, the battery never goes dead. You don't need updates. This is the faith once and for all handed down to the saints. Okay? On to heart condition number two. From determined attentiveness, we go to a sincere reverence. And one, of course, naturally leads to the other. Where do we see this? We see this in verses five through seven. And Ezra opened the book inside of all the people. And he was above all the people. And he opened it. And all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Yeshua, Bani, Sherbia, Yamin, Akbud, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Masai, Kelita, Azariah, Yazabad, Hanan, Pelah, the Levites, Help the people understand the law while the people remained in their places. They came here for one purpose, one sincere purpose. They had one thing in mind, and that was to honor God, to revere God, that is, to worship him. And by being still and knowing that he is God was what they did. They were still. That was a sign of reverence. And reverence, this attitude of reverence, led to action. They came to revere God by responding to his decrees and his demands. And you see their reverence in three easy-to-spot actions. They stood, they listened, they stayed. Look at verses 5 and 7. I tried to get around having to pronounce these names over and over again, but there's just no way around it. Okay. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. Indications are this was spontaneous. Usually when a rabbi teaches, uh, he teaches from a seated position and people like in the Sermon on the Mount sat down too. But they're all standing. Verse 7, Yeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Yamin, Akbud, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Masai, Kalita, Azariah, Yozabad, Hanan, Peleah. The Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They stood, they listened, they stayed. 
we also see their sincere purpose in the way that they indicated that they would be submitted and surrendered to God's will. They visibly demonstrated it. How? Again, verses 5 through 7 show us that they stood, they they said, Amin, Amin. They lifted up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And they remained where they were. They stood when Ezra opened the book of the law of the holy God, the great God, and they answered Ezra, Amin, Amin. They worshiped mentally, mentally and physically with their whole person, with their whole being. You know, when somebody talks to you sometimes and you're doing this, it doesn't go well. But when you're doing this, you're listening with your whole person. You have their attention. They have yours. And you know, today we say amen, right? But do we understand what it means when you say amen? Never say amen lightly. What's the significance? It means in Hebrew and in Greek, I believe. I believe. They're like, I believe. I believe. I agree. I will obey. Think about what you're committing to every time you say amen. But whatever was read... They would not only affirm it, but they would do it because they believed and therefore they would apply. That's almost a contract that you make when you say amen. They demonstrated their pledge of allegiance to the great God visibly. Visibly. They lifted up their hands. They bowed their heads to the ground. That's reverence. You know, in so many churches today, you know, people sing or we do this, we have our hands up. You know, God warns about not lifting up anything but holy hands. People who lift up their hands and sing and say amen and they're engaged in porn or adultery or fudging their expense accounts or, or prejudice or whatever it is, do not lift up your hands if you've got emotional or literal sin like that, right? Recognize what you're doing when you lift up your hands or if you say, Amin, Amin. Now, some of you want to jump up now and say, Amin and Amin, perhaps. But let's talk about some baby steps that we can take that will prepare the soil or prepare the ground to do that. I was in a worship once, service once, at a church that Terry and I, uh, we were married by the pastor there and we were attending the church. And it was a huge church. And people were constantly coming and going. Where were they going? There are things that they could take care of before the service starts. If you love God, show him some respect. Sit down and stay seated. Because when you do, and here's why you do that, that's the what, here's the why, you bear witness in such a way to your family member, to visitors, to the people in front of you or behind you, that you take this seriously. And remember, maybe on, on Easter, I hope you're picking out your targets for Easter to invite to church. There may be unbelievers present. You don't need to get up and go to the bathroom five times or whatever it is you're doing. You need to stay seated. So application. So what do you do when you have this reverence, this sincere reverence? What goes on here? You listen to the sermon without talking. Talking among yourselves Some people talk to themselves. Listen quietly. Pay attention so you don't miss anything. In every message, 
you know, whether it's three points or six, I think that my record here is like eight point sermon, right? There's something, it's the whole sermon. The sermon is a whole. A lot of times people get hung up on an illustration that they don't listen to the whole sermon. Make sure that your, that your walkie-talkie is on receive, that you don't have your finger on the broadcast button. Number two, if you know you're going to have to leave for whatever reason, sit in the back so you don't disturb other people. Sit in a place that may not distract others when you get up to run out for whatever reason. Number three, if you're physically able, follow the direction of the worship leader. When he says stand, stand. When he says sit, sit. Now, I know some of us, and I've been there, believe me, are not physically able to stand. That's okay. I'm not talking to you. Number four, remember that all that we say, think, and do here is a reflection of our attitude toward Jesus Christ. So you may not bow down your head with your face to the ground, but there are things that you can do to show God sincere, simple reverence. And those are just a few. Now we come to our third heart condition. When you looked at them, when you watched them, there's something going on there. You know, there's the fear of the Lord, reverence, but there's something else. And what it is is this, they're alarmed based on all that they've been through and based on as they hear the word of the Lord preached, they're alarmed by God's holiness. It comes through in the text if you pay attention. Uh, they, um, they experience initially or they recognize the wrath of God. You know, Isaiah, when, you know, when, he, when he had that vision in Isaiah chapter 6 and he sees the Lord high and holy, his reaction is, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people with unclean lips. Do we see anything like this here in our passage? We do. We do. With the exiles. Look with me. Verses 8 through 12. You read this and almost you can almost like pass it by because it's kind of a long passage. It, it's funny, it has very few verses but very long sentences. Like the book of Zechariah. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Verse 9, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. What do you say that for? Why are Next verse, next sentence, I'm sorry. For because all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. As they heard the word of God and they thought about what they heard and they thought about who and how they were, they wept. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they understood the words that were declared to them. Expository preaching requires expository listening. They made clear what the word of God said. 
It was done clearly. They gave the sense of the meaning so that the people could understand it. What do the words say? What do the words mean? It's how you study the Bible. And what do I do? And understanding the reading and their own sin and God's great holiness and all that he had done in depopulating Jerusalem and then repopulating Jerusalem and bringing this remnant back, they said, I understand what the words say. I understand what the words mean. But what on earth do I do now before a holy God? It's kind of like Peter saying to Jesus, depart from me for I am a sinful man. They were alarmed so much so that they wept. It said all the people wept. That was a holy moment. They grieved at how far they had been from God and how far they still were. And it alarmed them greatly because they know that God hates sin. And sooner or later, in love, he disciplines those he loves. They, don't have, they didn't have a casual attitude this day, this Lord's day, this day of the Lord, this day of worship. And they were alarmed by his holiness. The sermon exposed his holiness to him and they wept. Are we ever alarmed? In our comfortable seats in our air-conditioned building with all of our worries and cares in the world? They were. We should be too if we're listening to the sermon, actively engaged. Now, in a good way, they saw that Torah, the law of Moses, the Bible, the word of God was a gift It's a love letter from another place, from a holy God. And in the space of a few short words, as they explained the sense to them, as they, they started crying, in verses 9 through 12, we see what happens when they got the whole picture, wrath and grace. Verse 9, All the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. Why not? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy, do not be grieved. Because they explained the sense of what they had been read to them. All the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. Why? Because they had understood, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. The whole counsel of God's word that day. The wrath and the grace. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And God had taken them back from where he had sent them in his wrath and had brought them home. And they were experiencing his grace. And part of that grace was hearing the word of God, to be confronted by it, to be changed by it. And they rejoiced because they paid attention to the whole message. They were starting to react to part of the message and they had to stop and calm them down. But because they were attentive to the reading of the law of the Lord, because all their ears were attentive, they understood the whole picture. And they wept and they rejoiced. Do not overlook this. Because they came to listen with a determined attention. Because they conducted themselves with a sincere reverence. They had, as Spurgeon suggested, 
prepared the soil for the preaching, the soil of their souls. And therefore, they were alarmed and then reassured. They had been scattered before God by their sin because he, they had failed to do as he commanded. And now he had gathered them once again, reconstituted them, and put them back on mission. Listening to the sermon that day, that holy day, that generation at least, put away childish things and were more like spiritual adults and spiritual children. So what can you do with all this? In addition to all that we've discussed already, let me give you three suggestions for application. Number one, when you come here on a Sunday, remember your role. Your role is to worship. You're here to worship, and above all, that includes listening to the whole sermon, the whole thing. And remember, you don't come here for yourself so much as you come here for God, to revere him, to honor him, to worship him, and to bear witness to him with whoever is seated with you or around you. Aware of your sin and rejoicing in his grace. You listen, therefore, actively, aggressively. Number two, Remember, you're here to be changed by God's word, not by God's preacher. God is holy, and he wants you to be holy. You're here for God, not the man. Now, I know that people don't come here. I want to go hear Keith Crosby preach because I'm not that good. I'm clear, but I'm not that good, okay? I'm not Alistair Begg or John MacArthur. But even in their churches, you don't go to hear them. You go to hear the word of God. Remember why you're here. Number three. Listen to the sermon. Listen closely to the sermon. And seek to immediately respond to it. And where do we see this? In the aftermath of this passage, it says they went to, the heads of households went home and then came back to Ezra and the Levites and said, okay, how do we teach this in our homes to our kids? It's, it's in the near context, almost right after this. They want to know how to do this how to lead and shepherd their families, heads of households. Listen to the sermon. Be here. Be changed. Be rejoicing. Because our great God has given us more revelation than they had in the 66 books of the closed canon of scriptures. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to come here to worship freely without threat of violence, to bring our children, our friends, our neighbors, our parents, our spouse, ourselves, and to hear the word of God and to be changed by it. Lord, help us to be attentive. Help us to revere you. And help us to fear you too as we look into your word and see our sin and see your wrath and as we as born-again Christians experience your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Pastor Keith Crosby, on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, It is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.